gevraag, kom ons neem die overgave op, sommer net as deel van die aanbidding, terwijl ons ook nog steeds van aanbidding is, um, Ach, ek vraag sommer so vir amal wat bezig is, dit is, dit is een seizoen, die saligroom te gee as om te ontvang, ek sê dit al vir achter vir paar weke, the Lord's coaching me and teaching me not to preach into my need, but to preach to that which I know that He's calling us into. Ok, so, um, omdat ek nie een groot deal maak oor die geld, en beteken nie dat daar nie finansies tekort is, dit beteken nie, ons sit met groot verantwoordelikhede by Aak en in die kerk, en ek vertrou dat die heilige geest elke een lui volgens jou, soos wat, soos wat die geest, wie, wie weet ook, die wat gelui word, die die geest is die seens van God. Amen? So ons vraag julle soms as gemeente, let's be generous in this season, nie net die nie, maar daar waar jy buitenkant kom, tussen jou familie, tussen jou vriende, kom ons vertrou die heren, en moet nie jou hand weer hou om goed te doen. Bybels in Gelaaser 6 vers 8, nie nie moe graag om goed te doen, want op die rechte tijd gaan die heren vir die deur brak word. There's just something, and I want to encourage you, if you've not learned, and as we are maturing in this season, if you've not learned to trust the Lord in your tithing, to be faithful in your tithing, just take it up with him, want soek het in die skrif. Ek kan vir jou sê, vir die wat nie gedoop is nie, as iemand na die dienst kom en sê, jy is nie gedoop nie, dan wil ek jou doop. Die woord sê, bekeer jyself, laat jou doop. Okay? Doop is nie iets, as, as ek sê, ek spandeer nie tyd hoofsakelijk daarop nie, is nie iets, dit is, dit is die basisse goeders, dit beteken maar net, jy het geglo in Jesus en dat jy publieke beleidings gemaakt het hier om jyself te begrawe in sy dood. Dis wat die dood beteken. Okay? Dis die fundamentele, die fondatie leringe. Fundamentals. Hy wil op die kerk gebouw. So, bekeer jyself, with other words, there's a day that I gave my heart to the Lord, there's a day that I get baptized, with other words, I lay down my life, I was buried in his death, and I, I stood up in his resurrection. It's so important to understand that God always honors faith, and he really honors obedience. Something happens when we are obedient into his word, even to the point where it's the uncomfortable, and if it goes against our tradition, God will always honor us. So if you've not been baptized, I want to challenge you, to, let's get you baptized. If you are struggling in the flesh, in the natural, Paul says, I speak in tongues more than any other person. So if you haven't received the gift, we weet that om in tale te praat beteken, jy stig jyself. You build yourself up in your most holy faith. If you are not speaking in tongues, some people will say, yeah, but some of those gifts is for this one and for that one. That is the only gift that God has given om yourself te stig nie. Wat is dit nou Engels? Dus om yourself te, te encourage, daar is het echt woord. It's the only gift that God gave to encourage yourself. And that's one of the reasons why I motivate people to do that at your home. We don't come to the church and I pre- the whole time I'm speaking in tongues. No, I do that at home, so that when I come to church, that I will be able to speak 10 words of encouragement and everyone would understand what the heart is. Amen? So it's very important that let us not be gullible of the time that we're entering in. It's a season of the Spirit. We need the, the Holy Spirit more than ever to guide us in our decisions, in what we are doing. Even if it looks like everything is, is falling apart, it's a time of the and season. It's a season where God's really entrusting us to move by walk by faith and not by sight. You don't declare what you see in the natural, spiritual law. You declare what you hear the Father says only. We only make that declaration. So, with other words, if you are sick, let the sick say that they are healed. You make a confession according to the Spirit. So, it's not to be, to be gullible. You can do what you can do from your side. But then you lift up your hands in adoration, saying, Lord, I've given it all. I surrender. Lord, we give everything to you. And even in the season that we are in, I'm, I'm so 
uncertain of what tomorrow might bring. But I feel so, I feel so in that the Lord is trusting me. I don't know how to explain it really in a better fashion. I feel love. We feel good in this Amen. I want to tell you, I'm, I've never felt as loved as I've been as I've been feeling in this season. I remember a season back in 99, 2000, 2001, where the Lord was establishing my sonship in me. And only in 2004, once I had my eldest son, the Lord really did something in my heart that I understood the father heart of God. I thought I understood it. But it's in this season where the Lord is taking me into a new thing where, which we call beloved identity, where the Lord is showing me how, really how love and how much has he lavished his love upon us. So I want to leave that on you, and I want to, I want to just project it back to you, telling you guys, um, it might be a tired sim season. Know what I said the other day? I said to my wife, I've got this urgency in my heart. It's not that I can't say no. I can say no to certain things. And I'm very, I'm known to say no to certain things. But there's a desire in my heart that I feel that this last portion of the race, I just want to be that bit more faithful. I just want to step out. I just want to be, uh, uh, if I've got the opportunity, I know it's late, but can I just tell another person? Can I just reach out to one more? Um, we can story van Walrod Wiltemaris. Amen. So he went out with his horse back to sea. All the time, going and taking all these people, these um, shipmen that was busy sinking. Am I right? I've got the right story. And as he came back to the beach, they said to him, you can't go back again. It's too late. There's too, there's too many of them and the horse won't be able. He said, just one more time. And he set back with his horse on course back into the water to pull out another two or three people and he drowned them in. So to some we will say, man, is he crazy? No, it's a folk tale that we are telling to encourage us and remind us what really is within us. I want to tell you, we as South Africans, throughout the history, we are, it is said of us, of our courage, our good, our good hardship, the fact that we've loved and put others in front, is that the truth? Yeah. It's something said about us. You know what? I'm owning that one. I'm saying, Lord, I want to come back to the heart of worship. I want to be in that perfect place in harmony with you. Lord, let us just go in one more time. Send us into this harvest. Lord, let us go and reap this one more time. And if that's the prayer and the, the desire of everyone in the church, can you imagine what's going to start to happen all around us? As people go out, man, Lord, let us just go pray for one more sick person. The revelation of God who heals, who is faithful, the one who has not failed us yet, if that revelation sinks into our hearts, there's nothing that will be able to separate us. I, I want to ask you, what's busy separating you from the love of God? Because in essence, nothing can separate us. But I want to tell you that we've been divided in our minds. A man of two minds is all unstable in all his ways. Not in some of his ways, all his ways. We are finding the church in an unstable season and not because we know that Jesus loves us. I was doing the main week. Okay, we'll get to it. Um, let's just extend our hands to this. The offering. Father, thank you, Lord. That this is a season for us to give back. It's a season, Lord, where we sow. And Lord, even we as a church, where we are sowing ourselves into, in trusting that the word will manifest itself. Father, there was other seasons that, where it was much easier to give. And we felt it much less. But Lord, even in this season of severe pain and agony where we are 
trying to, to fulfill the word over our lives. Give us the heart and also the mandate. And more than that, Lord, the revelation of you that we will continue doing what we're doing because it's not through power nor, nor through might, but through your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to start this morning with Psalm 46, verse 10, and I'm speaking on breaking the cycle. So whenever there's some certain cycles that I want to see broken in my life, there was a cycle that I had to break um, where I, I cussed the whole time. It was one of the masks that I had on. I did this on Wednesday night with, with the cell group. And then there was a season where I, I felt a bit of uncertainty in my marriage. There were certain things that was happening and I felt and I said, Lord, how will you, how will you deal with this area of insecurity in our lives so that we can step up to that which you have really called us to be. So the Bible says, So wherever you find yourself in is not above what you can do. It's not that you do not have the strength to, to carry through. It's if your heart is willing and submissive to say, Lord, here am I, use me. It's as if the heart would be able to say, Lord, take me and do this thing. I believe your word and we're going to run with it. And it's not that God has not said things about you and your family. God is continually speaking. The one thing about God is he's a creator. And even though he went into rest, he's never ceased speaking about us. He's making a statement. He said, wow, wow. Terwijl ek in jou moeders woon gecreate het, terwijl ek jou daar gevorm het, het ek klaar oor jou begin droom en praat en oor jou die goed gesê. Nou, daar is een sekere ding wat die heren wil hee, Jy moet breek, hier is mense met a slechte selfbeeld. We've got a low self-esteem and it's time to break that season, that cycle. There's people that's been using substance and God wants to break a certain cycle in your life. There's people that's been going on dysfunctionally in your marriage and God says, break the cycle. So once we understand that it's not through our own power, but it's by understanding the heart of God towards us, and many are the plans of a man's heart, but the Lord is busy directing our way, we can establish and know that God will take us into this promise that he has for us from the beginning. So I'm, I'm sitting and I'm saying, Lord, help me to know that you are the cycle breaker in my life. That you are in this season challenging my mind to submit itself to your will. Who has found yourself in a tug of war? You, you just don't feel like you have the ability to break out of this thing. And especially if it's been something that's been going on for generations. One of the cycles that needed to be break was a woman with the issue of blood. She was walking around for 12 years with the same disease, being to every doctor, getting the same um, explanation from every doctor. It was much easier to accept defeat than to continue for one more time, reaching out, hearing the name Jesus, which means that he's the Savior, and to believe in him. It was so much easier just to give up. It was so much easier just to accept. And yet she refused to accept. Amen? That is the cycle-breaking type of people that I want to show out. I remember um, one of my spiritual dads telling me that he had an issue where he's been unfaithful with finances. And then when, when he came through the border to South Africa, he wasn't declaring some of the things that he was bringing through. 
And after a while, the Holy Spirit was prompting him to say, listen, you go and sort this out. And he went there to, to um, home affairs, and he went and he declared, and he said, I brought King's food, and I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know if you're going to find me or put me in prison, but I'm, I'm feeling that I can't continue going on with this, this war unless I get this off my heart. And as he went to the guy and he, he confessed, he said, right, put it to me in writing. He thought he was going to jail. And then he said, he stamped it, he said, it's declared now. It's declared now. He broke a cycle that for many years told him that you can't be successful financially because you've been faithful in one area. And the fear of the past mistake was dr driving him and leading him by his nose so that he could not overcome. Because every time he stands up, the devil says, but you're an unfaithful God. Amen? The easiest way to break the cycle is to come and bring it to Christ, to bring it into his life. To say, Lord, here you are. I surrender all. I give up all. Amen? So let's read Psalm 46 verse 10. He says, surrender your anxiety, be silent, and stop your striving. The three S's. Surrender your anxiety. You know that the term for anxiety means when your lungs are being crushed. It feels like you can't breathe. Angstig, voel angstig. Who's had COVID and you felt like this? Amen? I remember lying there and I had this, this thing on my chest. It was this hard pressed. Surrender your anxiety. When you surrender something, it means you give it over. Am I right? You give it over to someone else. Be silent. One of the key factors. That what they say, can you? Hey, do not, God is not mocked. Only what a man sows, that he will reap. The power of life and death lies in the tongue. Those who love to use it will reap the fruit for it, either life or death. So when, when David is writing this, he's speaking about a, a, a surrender of that, which is pressing down on you. It's so hard that you feel you can't breathe. You, you feel it's to the point of death. And then it's to be silent, not to confess this very press that is upon you. And then it says, stop your striving. Stop to, to, to try and do it. It's not going to be through your power. It's not going to be you who's going to do it. You're going to have to go into him and realize that he's the one that's doing it. And you will see that I am God. I am the God above all the nations. And I will be exalted throughout the whole earth. I read it out of the Passion Translation. Zachariah 4, verse 6, Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Not by might, nor by power, but through the, the spirit. God is confessing this in the Old Testament to people who would understand that there's a leading of the spirit. For us today, it's so much easier to say it. We do not have the Holy Spirit that just comes upon us and with times we experience this power. We have the inborn Holy Spirit, the divine nature of the Almighty, which is leading and driving us forward. Amen? There's, there's something about this portion of Scripture where I, I, <coughs> where I believe that God is saying that the might is in the Spirit. There's something in the spirit. You know what's, what's happening? The other day, I, I felt a bit anxious. So I said to God, okay, right, I can, feel, I can feel now I'm worked up. I'm going to just take this, and I'm going to stop being anxious now. I'm going to put it on the Father's lap, 
And now I'm going to say, Lord, it's not for your power, nor for your might, because it's not, this is not the word of the word that rechtfertig word, but the daden. It's not the one who heard the word that is justified, but the one that is doing. So I said, Lord, in practice, I want to imp- I, I, I implement this, what I know your nature is about. Lord, I want to I wanna be the one that steps out and trusts you. I'm going to read a scripture to you when, when Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus in John 3 verse 8. He made this statement. He said, the wind blows where it wishes. You don't tell the wind where to blow. You don't know where the wind is blowing. And you don't know where it's coming from. And you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So is it with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. We know he was telling him to, to get reborn. And now there's this, this conversation that, that is busy between the two. And he's comparing the Spirit of God with the wind. And he makes a statement. He says, you're not necessarily going to know where it is coming from. And after it's with you, you're not necessarily know where you are going. Who's got everything figured out? I want to tell you, Jesus tells a parable about a rich man who had everything figured out and he was building another storehouse. And that night he came and he required his soul from him. He could not have, the Bible says, you don't have a say in one minute of your life. You don't have a say in it. It's not the final say. You can drink all the vitamins. You can do everything. You can keep yourself in a closet and you can choke on your KFC that you had the afternoon. I experienced that the other night. It was not KFC, but I, I was choking on chicken. I'm like, man, chicken is definitely a vegetable. <laughs> and um, what I hear the Lord says, man, is the wind blows. He's busy blowing. He's taking us into this thing, and we, we will not be able to tell God in this season, Father, this is how we need to do it. This is what we're going to do. This is how you're going to do it. There's something that the Lord is going to release. Now I'm going to take you back to the very beginning of Israel. <coughs> Numbers 14 verse 26. And the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron saying, How long shall this wicked generation grumble against me? I've heard the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against me. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness, and all your numbers, um, listen in the senses from, from 20 years old upwards, who have grumbled against me, not one shall come into the land where I swore that I would make your, you dwell, except Caleb, the son of Jehufaneth, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones, who you said would become a prey, I will bring in. And they shall know the land that you have rejected. Listen now closely. Verse 31. But your little ones who you said would become a prey. How many of us are saying, I said to my wife the other day, I said, man, if there's ever a season to have children, it's this one. If there's ever a season to have more children, it's this one. And it's not, I can tell you, we, we have, what's it now, what's it, the quart du sein? Yeah. 
And the Lord spoke to my heart and he, he, he was pressing upon my heart. Watch your confession towards the next generation. Because as these, fa these fathers were working, walking through the wilderness, when God took them to the promised land out of Egypt, he said to them, I want to give you this, things you have not worked for. He was making, speaking about the gospel before the gospel was known. He was giving them permission to experience something about God's goodness, which was not known in their day. And he said, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to give you vineyards that you have not um, planted. I'm going to give you a breakthrough and your name will be great on the earth. And then these men went and all they had to do is to spy out the land and to say, Lord, this is what you are promising to us. Man, we are excited because nothing's going to keep you down. We are taking your word. We are going in. And as you have been faithful with Pharaoh, so you will be faithful in this new land. It was not difficult because he has first proven his goodness. And then he's taking them to a place and saying, what will your confession be about my goodness? He did not take them directly in there and say, right, now you have to be so bold and courageous. Guys, come on. He wasn't psyching them up. He was showing them his faithfulness first. And then he was telling them, do you want it? Do you want a continual experience of my goodness upon your life? Or do you want that once off? Do you want me just to take you out? Now I want to tell you, so many of us has, have, has been taken out of Egypt, but we've settled for the wilderness. We have settled for a place where God still provides, and He's still faithful, but we're only living to die. And then we are trying just to make it through long enough. For 40 years, a whole generation must sit up with these old people who would not stand for God. They did not have a desire in their heart for God. And listen what he, what he says in verse 31. But your little ones, who you said would become prey, who you said there's no future for, which you said there's no way that they're going to make it, Lord. We need to move to a foreign land because things will be better there. I said, net uit die willigheid kan kom. Yes, dalk gaan iemand met my mooi werk. Amen. It's always on the other side. What I get, get challenged by, I will bring them in. I will be their father. I will be the one that shows myself to be faithful. And they shall know that the land that you have rejected, the land that you have said no for, listen closely, but as for you, your dead body shall fall in the wilderness, and your children shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years, and shall suffer for your faithlessness. Until the last of your dead bodies lies dead in the wilderness. It's, a very, it's very extreme. It's an extreme word. I said to the Lord, Lord, if I read this portion of scripture, my heart fails me. I feel scared as the Israelites did. I feel insecure in a certain sense. Who can agree with me? I mean, you stuffed it up. You've messed it up. You know, Lord, that, um, man... I've, I've failed once again. I'm, I've, I'm going back into my old nature. I'm being the slave guy again. I'm fearing the whip of Pharaoh again. And now you are affirming my insecurity by declaring my death in the wilderness. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't believe that God placed them in the wilderness to kill them. I don't believe that God's heart was to see anyone die in the wilderness. I think that the eyes of God was going through and forth upon that generation saying, man, if anyone can change their confession, 
Is there any man that can speak out and declare my goodness and my kindness because I've revealed it to them so many times? Is there anyone that will stand and know that I am the Lord, their God, that healeth them, that restores them, that give them that that they do not deserve? Is there anyone that will be able to do that? And listen here. According to the number of the days of which you spied out the land, 40 days, a year for each day, you shall bear your iniquity 40 years, and you shall know my displeasure. Man, for the next 40 years, you are cursed. For every day you stuff it. For every day you stuff things up. Go make a note of all the David that you have for the week. Imagine I say for every day, one year. But the word says his mercy triumphed over his judgment. He says, cursed are you up until the fourth generation. But for those who believe, you are blessed until a thousand, a thousand generations. I want to remind you that God is busy revealing his heart and his character. And he's been so faithful to these people that are groaning and moaning. Then he says, listen, yeah, I will give you bread from heaven. And he gives them the best. Then they moan and complain because they don't have no meat and they are longing for the meat pots of Egypt. He says, I'll send you quails. I'll feed you in this season. And then they complain about their thirst, so he sends them a rock that follows them through the desert. It brings forth water, the sweetest water. The sweetest spring. We have living water here, but it doesn't come close to the water that was coming from that rock. Stromen van die wende water, so ek het binnen stuit kom. Jy sal nooit weer doors kry nie. He was continually filling them, but their desire was not satisfied. Because they were not breaking the cycle of how they thought in a previous generation. Now listen here. I the Lord have spoken, surely this will do, I, I do, hallelujah, surely this will I do to all this wicked generation who are gathered together against me in the wilderness, they shall come to a full end and they all shall die. And the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land who returned and made all the congregation grumble against him by bringing up bad reports about the land, the men who brought up the bad reports of the land died by a plague before the Lord. Conquer, what we call of these men who went to spy out the land, only Joshua and the son of Nun and Caleb, the son of Jehoshaphat, remained alive. And as I was reading this, this scripture, I asked myself the question, Lord, if at any time, at any time in this 40 years in the wilderness, they would have changed their confession, would you have, would you have been faithful? And he said to me, what has my character shown you? I said, yes, Lord. So if they changed their confession after six weeks and they said, Lord, man, we as a congregation, we want to, we are going to bow down and we are going to bow our knees and we're going on a solemn fast for the next two, three days. Even though you provide the food, we will not touch it because we know that we have failed you. Father, we recognize that you have been good even though we were bad. Lord, please have mercy on us. I tell you, can I tell you what he would have done? After three weeks, he would have taken them into the promised land. That very day, he would have taken them into the promised land. Imagine they did it after a year, five years, ten years, twenty years, thirty years. 
I want to ask you, how long has, have you endured the cycle of so much displeasure and pain in your life, not knowing that He will change it in the wink of an eye? Not understanding that God is the healer of all of us. That His desire is for you and you alone. That His desire is to see you conquer and be victorious. He's the cycle breaker in every sense. Then I said to the Lord, and I said to the Lord, Lord, the biggest problem that we are doing in this season is that we are seeking, we are seeking the science to reveal God instead of seeking His presence. Jason Upton sings a song. In His presence, all things are, all fear is gone. In His presence. I sat with the Lord. I said to the Lord, Lord, how do we change the curse on this generation? The Lord says in my presence. Everything is dealt with in His presence. As we turn to His presence, I tell you, every cycle of the past is being broken. I believe that the Lord's heart is for us and not against us. Amen? The plans that He has for you is to prosper you and not to kill us. His plan is not to see you fail. His plan is to see you succeed. The idea was never to get Israel just to get out of Egypt. It, it was about inheriting the promised land. It was not to get them to sojourn in God's anger it was to get them to realize that God is for them. Who can be against them? You know that a shepherd boy sat and he watched over the, his father's flock. And he said, God, if you have placed this under my, under my eye, I will take this so serious that I won't allow any bear or any lion to steal any of the flock. And then this young man took God's word so seriously that he refused to stand back for anything that was coming against the promise where God has placed him in. So from a young age, David understood if God gives something to you, he will preserve it. If God puts you in a place, he will give you the ability to sustain it. If God gives us a congregation or a restoration center, he will feed them. Amen. And I said, Lord, I need to learn your goodness and your loving kindness because for one or another reason, I do not question God's ability. If I go into a, a theological seminary and I have to ask them, what do we say about God? Who is God? They will tell you that God is omnipotent. He's with other words, He's all-powerful, all-knowing. He is omnipresent. And that will be their confession about God. How He is so big. And I said to the Lord, Lord, even though all the following statements above is the truth, I'm struggling because I still see you as just as a God. It's like the Hindus. It's this God far in heaven, removed. And he said, so how would you declare me? I said, Lord, I can say nothing what Jesus didn't say. I want to declare you as my father. I want to know you as the dad. If I have to put an attribute to God, may it be the one who's my dad. The one who's loved me. So dearly, so sincerely. The one who's giving it all. In my father's house, there is many rooms. You know what the Lord is calling me into this season? Is to believe his father heart over me. To believe that he has loved me so much that he has paid the full price. That he's taken the whole curse upon him. And he's not left me to deal with anything. 
The only thing I need to do, do in this season is to get my confession and my actions in line with my belief system of what I believe about him. And that's why Peter is writing, or James is writing, he says, show me, show me your works. Let me see what you are doing each and every day. And I will tell you how much you have loved God. Show me what you are busy with. So then we become insecure because, Lord, if I have to tell people that I fell in, in masturbation or in porn or, or in drugs or I've struggled with my mind, they won't forgive me. But God is saying to you, but I have forgiven you. And by believing and keeping silent and keeping everything hidden, you will stay exactly where you are going on from day to day, settling to be in the pigsty instead of understanding Many are the plans of a man's heart, but I've been directing your way and I'm putting you through this thing. I'm putting a testimony in your mouth so that you will know that my blood has paid the price. Can I go amen, Kray? Amen. Thank you, I sat and I listened to a friend of mine which made a statement. He said, what if God's care was equal? If his care was equal, equal, to his ability. What if God cared as much for us as we say he can do? With other words, he's all powerful. There's nothing out of his reach. He's omnipresent. So he's there even when I'm weak, even when I'm hurtful, even when he doesn't feel it is there, he's there because he's omnipresent. He's all knowing. He's omniscient. He knows all. There's nothing that he does not know. The Bible says, I've heard your cry. I've heard your cry. I've seen your brokenness. I've seen your disappointment. Would you be able to change your confession? And that brings me to the point where I want to speak about restlessness this morning. One of the things that I've struggled the most is to get out of works and try and perform and get into a place of restlessness. Who's ever seen um, the story that I'm going to read to you this morning is in Mark 4. But before we get there, who's seen Jesus being in the sea at the bottom of the boat? And he's got so much rest in him that he's not concerned about anything else. You see, the problem is with the church these days is we, we read through the scriptures and we still get blinded. We don't let our hearts get moved by faith. The Bible says, and Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. I want to tell you that the whole scripture has been given to us, not only to tell us where we have wronged things. If we have Moses leading us that 40 years in the wilderness, after preaching to them every day, telling them the law, what they've done wrong, he couldn't lead them into the promised land. He couldn't even go into the promised land himself. He was waiting for the manifestation of Jesus coming into the Father's presence and transforming before he could get into the promised land. Amen? You see, so what I believe what God is doing in this season is He's stirring our hearts to say, come up higher. Come up deeper. Allow me to touch you. Allow me to kiss you with the kisses of my mouth. Allow me to show you the plans that I have for you. To prosper you. To see that you succeed. I've got your back, man. I'm going to read a portion out of Hebrews 4. And the Hebrews 4 display, which, we, which I'm going to read to you now, is the display where Paul is writing 
out of the sins, out of the people that was in the wilderness. Now listen here. Now God has offered to us the same promises of entering into the realm of resting in confident faith. Let's just pause there. So God has given exactly the same promise to us as the church. He's given us this promise that we can go into this realm of resting in confident faith. Resting, taking rest, having confidence in our rest. So, Lord, I don't need to work to acquire it. And that we do by faith. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience. What was the promise that he was speaking about? He was speaking about getting the promised land. Who knows that the promised land is not a geographic? It's not an area in Israel. The promised land was a person with the name of Jesus. Okay? We, we only go into the promised land. Wie gaan die vader behalwe dier die seen? Ek is die wachter. Ek sit in die dier. Amen? Jesus is the one sitting in the gate. He's in the sheepfold. He's keeping watch. Hy hou wacht oor jou siel. Die Bible sê, as hy vir jou is, wie kan teen jou wees? Hy maak een stelling, hy sê, ek het jou in my hand gegrafeer, in my hand getatoeer, en niks of niemand sal het my hand uitgenaam. Nothing will be able to separate you from my love. No death, no angel, no sword, no famine, nothing in the whole creation will be able to separate you. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to ex experience it. Verse 2. For we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did. We have heard the good news of deliverance. Remember, these guys were slaves coming out of Egypt. All they knew was work, work, work. The whip of Pharaoh, the whip of those guys overlooking you, making sure that everything was right according to the expectation, or you get whipped. And now he's making a statement. He says, we, for we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did. What was the good news that they got? Go into the promised land. You will have houses that you have not built. You'll get a vineyard that you didn't plant. You will eat fruits from that vineyard which you didn't do anything for. And God will be your watcher. And he will sustain you and keep you and keep your enemies out. Wasn't that the promise from the beginning? So what is God saying to us? If we are getting the same promise as they were getting, God is calling us into what? He's calling us into the promise. And I want to ask you, the only reason why you are still in a cycle is because we have believed the lie and not the promise. We have not believed what God has said to us. Yet they didn't join their faith with the word. Yet they didn't join their faith with the word. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply. For they doubted. For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. For those who believe, faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. I hear the Lord is saying to me this morning, He's saying to me, Matthias, I'm having a realm of confident rest. I have a realm for you. I've got an area, a realm 
Wie weet van dat die Bijbel praat, hy sê, en, en Paulus praat van een man wat in die negende jimmel was. Hij praat van een ou wat so ervaring met God gehad het, dat hij was in the flesh, but in the spirit. Jesus, being so one with the Father, goes to a mountain with three other guys, and they have the greatest revival where his flesh started changing into his, into his spiritual body, which he should only earn tomorrow or the day after or in time to come. He has such a revival there and he gets the affirmation of the Father while Peter sitting there, he's looking, how will we perform? How will we do? Can we build a house for Moses and for Elijah and a hut for Jesus? And the Lord just silence. He takes away Moses and Elijah from their presence. He says, no, this is my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to my son. This is my son. Listen to him. I want to say to you that today that there's something about the son that he's so sold out. And if we have the ability to listen to what he has said, there's nothing that's going to overcome us in this season. No death, no angel, no weapon. Ek sê vir julle, jy het nie nodig om bekommer te wees oor hy is praat nie. It's not through power, Lord. It's not through your might, our might. It's through your spirit. Matthijs my verstaan nie. Ons het hierdie siektes, ons het al hierdie goeders. Ongeneeslike siektes moet die knieg buig voor Jesus. Ek word geconfronteer in die seisoen, want ek glo nie God het gekom net om my siel te red nie. Of net my gees eendag in die hemel te laat ingaan nie. Ek glo het gekom om my in geheel, kyk, alles het nie geword. Hy het my in geheel kom red. Hy het my heel te mal kom vat, net soos wat ek is. Gees, siel en lichaam. Kyk, alles het nie geword. How do we obtain the promise? But by faith. But by faith. So I really believe that God is lying something upon our hearts to really have confidence to go into his rest. It's interesting when Jesus speaks to the storm. He say, peace, or, um, I, I, I think I'm going to read that for you, Robin. Hallelujah. For he, he has said, I was grieved with them and made a solemn oath. They will never enter into the calming rest of my spirit. God's works have all been completed from the foundation of the world. For it says, Okay, so let's just quickly just hear what he's saying. I was grieved with them and made a solemn oath. That's God. They will never enter into the calming rest of my spirit. God's works has, uh, have all been completed from the foundation of the world. Remember that the scripture says that Jesus was crucified when? From, from the foundations of the earth. He, he, he fulfilled it. He said it was complete. It was in a season not discerned because it did not play off in our time yet. But it doesn't mean that the provision was not made from the beginning. For God made that provision from the very beginning. Even when Adam fell, he fell into the second Adam. His flesh was caught up. He, if he could believe that he is the one, he would have been saved. What did Jesus do when he, when he died? He went down. The Bible says, and he preached to those who was asleep. Hello. And he was saying to them, what? I believe for the next three days, he was giving them the gospel. What was happening on the third day? He rose from the dead. From the beginning. There's a significance even with the third day of creation. 
I believe Jesus was preaching since life was created. He was preaching for the whole creation. You know what he has done? The Bible says he has subdued it. For what? For the sons. For when we would believe the word that we will be able to take it in. I want to tell you that something is about to manifest in your business, in your marriage. And it's not a, 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 a get wealthy thing. Peter comes to a guy with a, a, a leg problem. He doesn't say to him, listen, yeah, <laughs> I'm not the richest guy in town, so I'm not going to pray for you. I'm going to look for that guy that's coming with, 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 with the big credit card. He's going to pray for you. He says, no, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have in the name of Jesus, stand up. The Bible said he pulled him up and immediately he was healed. Immediately this man started, started testifying about God's goodness and his kindness. Verse 4. For it says in the scripture, and on the seventh day God rested from all his works. And again, as stated before, they will never enter into my calming place of rest. So what we can see is on the seventh day, what did God do? He rested from all his works. So where's God? He's in a position of rest. He's still sustaining everything. And you know what's the problem with, with God? God wants us to be where he is. If God isn't rest, where should we be? In rest. The whole thing is not to work more, is to know that the work has been done. To understand that it is complete, it is fulfilled, it is finished. You know what God is calling the church into, into this season? And I'm so, the problem is with this. When I believe God's rest is to be in perfect peace with God. When he spoke to the storm, he said, how? How? And he said to it, rest. And then he called the waters and he said to it, peace. And there was the silence over, over the ocean because of what he said. And the, the disciples were looking and they say, who is this guy? That he even has control over nature. Who is this man? I want to tell you, I've been looking in his eyes these past few weeks. I've been feeling his eyes upon me. I felt his love. The speaker of the storms. I'm saying to him, Lord, you need to calm a few storms within me. Because I find myself, I'm hurting because of this. And I'm angry because of this. And I feel I need to work harder because I need to earn more money or to create this or to let this happen. You know what the Lord is saying to me? Hush. In your silence. You know what's the most difficult thing for me, for my character? Is to do nothing. I can't do it. I'm struggling to say, Lord, I need to say, Lord, Teach me your rest. I remember Tima Betsy coming here in 2017, Marlene, 2016, 17, Juan. It was roughly there. He gave us a prophetic word. He said, the Lord's calling you for a three days in the cupboard. He calls me into the cupboard in a place of solemn rest with me. I tried it. I said to my wife, I can't do it. Obviously, this guy in God doesn't understand how busy I am. They've not looked at my calendar when they, when, they, when, they, when they gestured that statement. I think that's a statement of the flesh. I promise you, you can ask my wife. I've been struggling. You know what the Lord is doing? 
in this season, he's placed a thorn in my flesh. And there's some nights that I can't get into bed, so I can't go to sleep. I'll sit in my lazy boy, which I got on my birthday. And I'll just feel the Lord saturate me. I feel him leaping up for me. I feel him just saying to me, you know what? Have you finished now? Last night I said to Tali, I said, man, I'm so tired. I feel tired in the physical. Then I feel his living waters coming over me. It's something I always told the, the guys at Ark, some things are better learned than taught. I'm going to explain it. Some things are better learned than taught. Some things you need to go through it. Okay? I can tell you, you're going to burn your hand in the fire. But you're not going to listen. So it's better learn. Put your hand in the fire and learn. You, it's better learned than I, I'm telling you not to do. You know what's one of the pieces that I had to make, make in my life? That I can't, people, I can't keep people from not learning. I can teach as much as I want to teach. But if the revelation is not caught here, it will be taught. You know what God is busy doing with our church? He's busy teaching us to come in. Come in deep. Come in deeper. Come and sit at my feet. Come and feel my love upon you. And you will see I'm, I'm fed up for all these prophets and guys with misconduct. And just as I speak against Julius, I'll speak against any prophet and guy. I've been entertaining three of, two of our three prophets in this house. Has failed. I said to the Lord, Lord, I will not run with that character. I will not do it because I, I trust that the church will keep me accountable. We will keep them accountable. I'm making a public statement about it because I feel it's God is bedroef oor dit wat in die lichaam van Jesus aangebied. We are burdening the church of, of Jesus because we are not being real, not coming to the table with sincerity. It's not working harder. It's taking rest by believing what he has said. You know what it means? If I'm calling you to deal with certain things in your life and I'm not dealing with mine, you think that's on? It's not on. You can if you can say, Monkey see, monkey do. Soor van sy soor. You want things to change in your children's life, it's time that we change. It's time to break the cycle. My pa was a bliksem, now is ek a bliksem. It's time to break the cycle. It's time to break those things that's been keeping and lying to us so continually. For 10 years, I'm going to sit here and think myself, man, I come down, I can carry this getrouw for 8 years. I sit and I loop around and I say, for a friend, for my dog, and a dog come, and I, my friend, for me, for my friend, man. I say, my world, come here, and die good. My world, my erfaring, it gesay, that man's and friends is not loyal to Makari. So you believe that true rather than God's word. I go to that house and I sit my friend, I say, for what? For the first time, I believe that we don't have to do it. Dit is so deel van my, dat ek glo dit moet kom, ek bereie al myself voor vir dit. Dat ek my vrou kry en vast sê, weet jy wat, hoor hoe dysfunctional sit, al moet jy my ooit verneem, het ek klaar gekies om jou te vergewe. Is reg en is mooi en is kry. Maar weet jy wat, why go there? Then the Lord started working my heart, en hy sê vir my, weet jy wat, haal die last van jou af. Dit is te zwaar vir jou om te draag. Dit is te zwaar vir jou om met die goed te loop, I'm calling you deeper. I'm calling you into a deeper thing. 
Verse 5. And again, as stated before, they will never enter into my calming place of rest. Those who first heard the good news of deliverance failed to enter into that realm of faith's rest because of their unbelieving hearts. Yet the fact remains that we still have the opportunity to enter into the faith rest life and experience the fulfillment of the promise. For God still has ordained a day for us to enter into that called day. For it was long afterwards that God repeated it in David's words, If only today you would listen to my voice and do not harden your hearts. Now if the promise of rest was fulfilled when Joshua brought the people into the land, God wouldn't have spoken of a later and another rest yet to come. Now, all what Paulus is so busy to describe, as I say, Jy kan gaan, jy kan so beklui om die stikkie pasel of land te kry en iets na te laat en hierdie stikkie grond te probeer bou. Oh, dit moes meer wees as die fysische geografie. It was not about the geographical land of Israel. It was about getting into Christ and remaining in His presence and knowing there all peace is found. Now I'm taking you into Mark 4.35. Later that day, after it grew dark, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. And after they had sent the crowd away, they shoved off from the shore with him. And as he had been teaching from the boat, and there were other boats that sailed from them, suddenly, as they were crossing the lake, a furious tempest arose with the violent winds and waves that were crashing into the boat until it was all but swamped. But Jesus was calmly sleeping in the storm, resting on his cushion. So they, st they shook him awake, saying, Teach, Teacher, don't you even care that we are all about to die? Fully awake, he rebuked the storm and shouted to the sea. Now let's just pause there. Jesus, don't you even care that we are about to die? I can tell you these were guys that were fishermen by trade. They were not threatened or scared at any storm at sea. This was not this typical um, Mozambique waves. This was a real tempest. It was a storm. And now they are sitting, Jesus is sitting, the Bible says, at the bottom of the boat. He's sitting there and he's sleeping. He's taking rest. He's being in the Father's perfect. Don't you think if the disciples would have died, Jesus would have died? Obviously. So the thing was, how can we believe that if God is for us, anything can be against us? Why can we believe? How can you believe that the cancer you have is there to kill you if God still has a calling upon your life? There's nothing that will be able to take our lives prematurely unless we stay, as long as we stay in Christ. The interesting thing is this and how he addresses, he says, hush, calm down. All at once the wind stopped howling and the water became perfectly calm. I'm reading it out of the Passion Translation. He says, hush, calm down. And all at once the wind stopped howling and the water became perfectly calm. Know what the Lord said to me? Remember when I said to you that the spirit man is like the wind? In the beginning, didn't I speak about it? I spoke about the spirit man 
being like the wind and we being and you don't know where we're coming and where we are driving. I want to tell you, God was speaking to our lives. Jesus was speaking to their very lives. And he was using the physical storm to explain something about their spiritual life. I want to tell you, this is the season where we need to hush ourselves and we need to speak to the wind. We need to speak to the spirit man. We need to address that unstableness which is driving and, and making these waves crazy, knowing that the call of God is pushing us forward to continue, to complete the good work that he has started within me. Amen? There's something about the season that we're at. And if we can understand this, I tell you now, you can go to any court meeting knowing that God is for you, can be against you. It's on your confession. And you might experience tribulation and winds from front. But I want to tell you, if God is for you, nothing's going to overcome you. I want to tell you, God's taking you through many other plans of a man's heart, but he has been directing your way. And he took these disciples into the storm because it's not about getting a sermon preached that falls on your heart. It's after the sermon if you can go and apply it. So it was very easy when Jesus preached on the shores from the boat. But it's so difficult for them to be on that same boat when they're experiencing something in the physical that is driving against them. Now I want to tell you, with Jesus in the boat, with Jesus within me, Christ, the hope of all glory, Christ is giving me the ability to sustain and stand up and to overcome by the blood of the Lamb and not to lose my confession. This is what the Lord is doing, and it's called marvelous, marvelous in our day. Aquafius said, it's He's doing a great work within you, and he's not let his grip slide on you in any sense. And then he turned to his disciples and said to them, Why are you so afraid? Haven't you learned to trust me yet? Salah. So he turned to Matthias. <laughs> he turned to me. And he said to me, Matthias, who come as bang? It actually said, be strong and courageous. The Lord God is with you. Warum is jy bekommerd? Het ek nie gesê dat ek is met jou al die dag van jou lewe nie. Haven't you learned to trust me yet? Halleluja. This is a vrou saam met jou praat. Ek het nie moet stil te kry nie. Sê gaan nou weer iets sê. Ek beloof ek het nie met die ding nou stil te kry nie. Sorry jylle. Jy is nou Greg's car. All at once the wind stopped howling and the water became perfectly calm. Maar hy sou, waar sy? Toen bid aan die Marlene, kom uit. Okay. But they were overwhelmed with fear and awe, listen here, and said to one another, Who is this man who has such authority that even the wind and the waves obey? You know what the Lord said to me? He said to me, they never should have feared. Because from the beginning, man was fearing God, and then they were pulling back. They were always questioning the character of God. What will he do 
after I have failed, after I have been unfaithful, after I have not succeeded with the plans, you know what he told me? He said to me, it is the season, it is the time for us not to become weary and not to stand in awe at what Jesus has done in the past, but to have an expectation to stand in awe of what he is doing right now. I want to I wanna really encourage someone today in saying to you that Jesus is about to break your cycle and he's meeting up with you. He's about to come and meet you at the place where you're at. And it might make other people so insecure because many people do not want you to get free. But God's going to do it. I'm going to conclude with my last scripture for today. It's in, in Mark 5. Just in the, the, the page. And they arrive at the other side of the lake. You know how important it, it is for God to get you to the other side. Just say to your wife, we need to go to the other side. Amen. I know that, I know that my prophetic word is not finished. I know that there's so much words to make that God wants to Thank you. 
man had been living there amongst the tombs of the dead, and no one was able to restrain him. Verse 4. For every time they attempted, attempted to chain his hands and feet with shackles, he would snap the chain and break the shackles in pieces. He was so strong that no one had the power to subdue him. No one had the ability to stop the cycle in his life. The cycle was so severe that he never get out of this world. He's continually in this place of death. Verse 5, day and night he could be found lurking in the cemetery or in the vicinity, shrinking and mangling himself with stones, slay himself with his clipper. He was sadistic, loop rond, and make him altijd self As long as you are walking around and still beating you for the past, the things that's not working, you need to come and come to Jesus. Because he's been making an attempt of taking rest so that he would come. That he would come and speak to you. And that he wants to come and meet up with you. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran to him and threw himself down before him. When he saw Jesus from a distance, He's looking over a distance. He came running. Here we've got the sun frozen in front of him, screaming out at the top of his lungs. For the last time, Psalms 46, for the last time, he's going to be anxious. He's going to shout for the last time on the top of his lungs. Listen, what is his confession? Leave me alone, Jesus, Son of the Most High God. Jesus, leave me alone. Now many times I've asked the Lord to leave me alone because I enjoy the countryside. The torment, I'm so acquainted with it that I would rather, I'd rather sit there than having Him dealing with my heart. Makes the statement, he says, swear in God's name that you won't torture me. For Jesus had already said to him, Come out of the man, you demon spirit. And Jesus said to him, What is your name? My translation it will say mob. He said, What is your name? And he said, Legion. Legion was six thousand of them. And he answered, They call me Legion or Mob, because they are thousands of us in his body. There's so many things that's been going wrong. So many things. But they say, Verstani, you messed up as You know what, I, what I'm hearing the Lord saying this, this morning? He says, do you have the ability to get past yourself? And he begged Jesus repeatedly not to expel them out of the region. And nearby, there was a large herd of pigs feeding at the hillside. And the demons begged him, send us into the pigs. Let us enter there. No I get the story of Luke 13 again. It's a lost son. It's one that's been displaced. It's one that's between the, the graves. It's one that's looking after the pigs. I'm asking myself the question, is this not the lost son? Is this not the displaced son once again? 
Is this not the very same story that we are looking at? You know what's the interesting thing? Is here how Jesus is dialoguing. I mean, when I was in Bible college, the, I was just taught the devil is the liar and the father of lies. You never speak to the devil. Here I see Jesus speaking to the devil. He's asking, so how many are you? Who are you? He said, we are many. He said, oh, well, we are more than if you're going to take the whole day. And each of us have to tell you our name. We are roughly 60. A guy with serious issues. A guy broken to the core. A guy that could not keep silent about his past. How would he be able to keep silent about his future now? How would he not exchange his hurt for a hopeful future? How would he not see the promised land and not be willing to enter it? How can he not go and believe in the one who is, was and will be? I want to tell you that there is an identity changing thing happening. That's why I believe that God is doing a beloved identity thing in our midst. Why? Because it's only a father that can put identity on the children. Most of us who's got messed up, broken, we, we, we got lost in translation, we don't know who we are, we don't know where we are, where, where we are going, is because we didn't have proactive fathers. And I'm not saying that your dad was never home. He could have sat there every evening hurt your heart. He never spoke about any things that were hurtful in your life. And that's why God is calling this season a father. And I tell you, if you're a woman who's still a father, this generation needs to get father. There's something that happens if we get displaced sons believing that God has called something about them. Once you can believe it, the Bible says when you believe the good news, the gospel, the fact that the, what the father has seen in you, it's like a man acquiring a field. He sees a precious ball and he sells everything and he follows it. I believe that this season is here where God is saying, how will you keep quiet even though you've been the messed up person, the most messed up person that I've ever known? God is here. And Jesus wants to heal and touch. He wants to come into that area. So Jesus gave them permission. The demon horde um, immediately came out of the man and went into the pits. This caused the herd to rush madly down the steep, steep slope and fall into the lake, drowning about 2,000 pigs. Depending on weight, the cost of the 2,000 live pigs today could have been as much as $250,000. Imagine Jesus values one person that the whole community has never valued. They could not keep him bound. They just wanted to get him bound. They could not even keep him bound. And Jesus would pay five million dollars. Let five million dollars go waste. Get one man. I saw five million run. Let go. Be afraid. I don't believe this is Yet I don't believe that you want to pay for the end of this month. Yet I'm not knowing how you will do it. What if I cared as much about you as I can
herdsmen fled to the nearby villages, telling everyone what they saw. As they ran through the countryside, and everyone came out to see what had happened. When they found Jesus, they saw the demonized man sitting there, properly clothed and in his right mind, seeing that he had what had happened to the man who, who had thousands of demons, the people were terrified. when you go and read in the menu in, in the commentaries um, they say that Jesus himself placed his robe upon this cross. he had him clothed in his outer robe the one that he would use to pray because before that he was naked and when God came into the garden what did he do with Adam and Eve he clothed they were doing something with fig leaves which represents their sinful nature he came and he slaughtered and he brought the first death. He said, I will clothe you and walk in the way. I will clothe you. I will, I will close you up in every sense. Let not with something that will talk. But I will clothe you with something that will be permanent. You know what's one of the things that's pressing my heart? Is how this guy is sitting there. He who had no rest became the man of rest in Jesus. I found the one my heart is I found the one who chased me through the storm and he would not let the storm overcome him because he's got a calling to come to this graveyard. His boat was so off course that when they came to the graveyard, I think the disciples said to themselves, oh gosh, we are in a graveyard. We will be um, ceremonially unclean Jesus was now here exactly where my dad wants us to We're exactly at the point of encounter. I'm going to teach you something about his being encountered. Because once you get that I'm not calling you to the highways and the byways, but I'm calling you to the graveyards. I'm calling you to the place where people hang out and they are cutting themselves and hurting themselves and, and disbelieving in themselves. I want to tell you if you're still cutting yourself on the outside because it's hurting in the inside, you need an encounter. I remember cutting myself at a young age of 17, being so broken and tormented by things of my past that I could not believe that I have a future. I was running away continually, not dealing with anything in my life, and I thought I will deal with it once I am intoxicated. And nothing could satisfy the hurt and brokenness inside. That the only place I could go to was when I met the man who came across the sea. And there he stood without eyes of judgment. He was not there to deal with, with me and, and come and sort me out. He was there to lavish his love upon me. He was there calling me, accept that. He's there to see his son in his right mind, beloved and cared for. Look here. 
seeing what had happened to the man who had had these thousands of demons, the people were terrified. People get terrified. They feel awful. They don't want this Jesus. Because if he can do this with the 6,000 demons that's in you, imagine what he will do with the 2,000 demons or the two demons that's next to you. But sometimes it's convenient to have the two there. But it's only when you get down the line and you realize that the two become one, become eight, become sixty. All of a sudden you sit with all these 6,000 issues. It's when you get to that point when no one wants to do, have nothing to do with you. But you are better off because you only have eight. You only have two issues. You are so much different. You know what Jesus said? He said, when I came into that place, I had nothing. But I was doing an exchange. I was busy lavishing my identity on this one. Because when he believes the promise, when he spied out the land, I will give him everything. And he cannot be the same. You know what God is calling you to He's not calling you to be the same tomorrow as you are today. He's not calling you to stay in this place of accepting the torment and going through the same thing day after day after day. He's not calling you to sit in this place of pain and agony, shouting and screaming and no one is hearing. And even though they hear, they don't care. He's calling you closer and deeper. He's calling you for your heart, your own pain. Listen here. Those who had witnessed the miracle reported the news to the people and included what had happened to the pigs. Then they asked Jesus to give them a job. As soon as they heard the amount of money which had passed the people, they asked him, please go. And as Jesus began to get into the boat to depart, the man who had been set free from the demons asked him, time I'm accepted. For the first time I feel loved. For the first time I feel that there's someone that cares about me. For the first time I don't need to sleep sleep in the graveyard. You know what Jesus tells him? And Jesus answered no. But he said not just no. But he said to him go back to your home and to your family and tell them what the Lord has done. Seven. Let's just pause want to tell him he had a home, but he stayed, stayed between the graves. You want to tell me he had a family and yet he was unclothed? You want to tell me that he had people that were supposed to care and love about him and yet they left him to be in this agony? The Bible makes this statement. It says, it is easy to give your love for someone that you love. How much more is my expectation for you to do it to someone that don't deserve it. You know what is the testimony going to be now? Because for the first time this boy is going to come and knock on the door. This time the people are not going to chase him away. Not going to hit him with rocks. Because he's going to be clothed and sober-minded. And then he says, I want you to go and have a testimony. It's interesting that Jesus leaves this man with all these problems to go and testify to a crowd that is supposed to be hired. 
Little you have been forgiven. Little you have loved. Much you have been forgiven. Much you have loved. This boy is going back. He's telling these people, I can just imagine this guy going into town. Everyone has witnessed, everyone has heard about the pigs. The highest price for one man's life. I tell you, they were people that would sell their children for that money. All of a sudden, this guy is going back, messed up, lost. The stories are running, the rumors are coming. Here he returns back home. is not to speak about the grave, it's about to speak about the one who was in the grave. His testimony was not to speak of how he was tormented. I want to tell you, we need to get out of our past. Our strongest thing is not to speak of that which went wrong, but to speak of how much God right because of what he has done for you. Ek of jy sê, as jy by jou familie kom, hou op praat van jou man en hoe jou man jou teleergestel het. Praat oor wat die Heere en jou man doe. Begin praat en maak een beleidings van dit but God so that God can do a new thing in our midst in this season. For greater love has no one seen that one would lay down his life for his friends. More than that, greater love has no one seen that we are going to lay down our lives for our friends. We are going to love. And Jesus began to get into the boat to depart. The man asked him and said, no, you can not. And Jesus answered, no, but he said to him, go back to your, to your home, to your family, and tell them what the Lord has done for you. Tell them how he had mercy on you. Tell them how he did not give you what you did deserve. Tell him how God has forgiven you. Who are you to judge? Because the measure you use to judge is the measure Isn't that interesting? Now what the Lord said to me the other day? He said to me, stop judging people by this sin. Stop calling out their righteousness. I know it's good. What do we say? You know, I'm walking about the people that's always been sorry. But you don't see the actions. The Lord says to me, you call me out. I am the spirit that you are from God out of them once again. And you'll see how change. You'll see it on their feet. Amen. I want to tell you something. I believe this guy was more morally right than any one of his family members. So the man left and went into the region of the Jordan parts of Syria to tell everyone who met him about what Jesus had done for Everyone was sent to the promised land. The whole area was known. And it 
and to area which was inhabited by God. And now God sent one guy to face the mountain of continued inhabitation. And he's put him in a place, in a place. He's put him in a place on the mountain. I want to make it simple this morning. not an issue of a man waving his hand over you. It's recognizing the encounter that Jesus wants with you. It's being honest. It's being real. It's to come to the point of saying, Jesus, I believe. I believe the promise. There's some of you who has forsaken the promise. You have said the promised land is not promise is not for me and my family. And while you have that confession, you will not experience any promise of that. There is some of us sitting here today and saying, Lord, I know the promise is for me, but it doesn't feel if the promise will come to me. Because it is impossible. Now I'm going to remind you what Jesus said to the disciples after the rich young man left. He said, with man it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I want to tell you this morning that I want you to put your impossible situation on God's lap. To be honest about it, everything you bring out in the light, the enemy has no right to it. The enemy cannot take and cannot kill or destroy anything that's in the light. The Bible said, If it comes to I believe that this is the season where God is saying to you, my son, I don't want you to settle in the graveyard. If you've been staying between the graves, you're living in your past, you're living in your ex-husband's eyes, you are still living under the belief system of your father which was broken, you're still feeling the hard lash words of your mom, and you still get agonized by your past. This morning, I want you to bring it to Jesus and let him re-robe it. Let him rebrand If you are still in the place where you are, are walking around hurting yourself, you are hurting everyone with your mouth, with your words, you are speaking death about all that is around you, you keep on pulling your children down, reminding them how, how they will fail. So with other words, you are a bit sadistic, not only to yourself, but to your loved ones. I want you this morning to be honest and say, Lord, I have this problem. I have this thing in my life and I want you to address it. I want you, Lord, to speak to that brokenness within me and I want you to send it out of me. I want to tell you, there's no cost that Jesus would not pay to get you harmonized with him, to get you healed. If you are sitting here this morning saying, Lord, I've dealt with some things in my life, but I feel rejected because I don't feel you are calling me to go with you on the boat. I want you to understand that Jesus is sending you out to have a testimony. He's not waiting for you or wanting you to come into the boat in the luxury of the disciples who just did not believe the storm, but you had an encounter. If you come out of a bad, bad, bad background, and you are not busy testifying about his goodness and his loving kindness that has led you to 
say, Lord, I repent of the fact that I've been keeping quiet because this church system has told me I must have this and that before I can speak. I want you to say, Lord, come and touch my lips and give me the ability so that I will have a confession declaring and speaking to those who are broken that their lives will change. Because we need people to step out in the vineyard and to make the declaration of God's goodness and His loving kindness that has led you to repentance. She's not going to stay behind. I tell you that. I love it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Weet jy wat voel ek dit oogend? Ek, ek wil bid vir die. Ek wil oogend bid. Ek weet nie wat die rewe. Ek moet nie publieke beleid ons nie. Ek weet vanavond dat Jesus het die man gedeel en die kom en die vrouw gedeel. En hy het nie gewag om vir ons die, die, die beste ding is hier, is die diepe ander nog een klein bykie meer te raak. Amen. Ons aard wat so die lange moes in die kerk sit, die lange moes in die kerk sit, die lange moes in die kerk sit, Stop the promise and the design of the world because of anything physical. 
Ek glo dat hierdie woord die seisoen waar die geringste van ons maak die klein. Ek glo dat daar is nie so iets hier. Pieter, Pieter het vandag by Jesus is. Hy het gekom en toe sê hy gaan afbreek. Hy sit by Engels en hy sê, not retire, refire. He was refiring for God. Until he retired. Ek wil vir jou sê, maar bezig nie lichaam die eenwoordig by God. Die is vir ons nie in tyd om af te doen. Ons moet siele wek in elke hoek en draai. Die Bijbel sê, hy wat siele wek is wees. Jy kan gaan blommetjes kyk en die kan instap. Jy kan gaan swem in die see en die kan meke lang weg en die kan oorsee gaan. Jy is nie, jy is nie gebind tot in tyd. Maar jy maak die production. Of maak die disciple having a testament and carrying the gospel gospel to the cross. Whatever you do, you don't keep silent. You do it at your work, you do it at your house. And when you have wrong, you be the gospel still. Hoe doen ek die, die evangelie wat ek het gedoen? Ek buig die knie en ek gee herkenning aan dit it was he overcome by the blood of the Lamb and that Jesus Christ. So from the will I not tell you to stand to I have the word that you fight and it's like the word that you fight in Jesus, I stand so He's a prophet of the it's easy to pray for justice when we are right. It's very difficult to pray for mercy when we are right. So what do you do let your justice come, let your mercy, let your grace be seen upon us. And I feel that the people who are living in the world are living in the world. I feel that the people who are living in the world are living in the world. I feel that the people who You've been faithful, enduring for a season, but don't lose the faith. Don't lose the desire and the expectation. Dan vir al op die aardes, kom by jou finansies, kom by jou gezondheid, as ek kom by jou gevindings, it's not about the Staan op en beklaai vir dit wat God in die toe gebruik. Ek sê vir jou, ek weie, ek het, ek het drie seens, ek weie omdat vir jou woorde vir Ek gaan nergens kom, ek sê, laat God ons water op ons ander. Ek sal, ek sal op my knie rondsal, maar ek sal verder, ek gaan staan en dit doen wat God vir jou gebruik. Sê nou, dan sê ek vir jou, sê ek vir jou, it's not easy to decide to make as it comes to make, 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 make,
because I've looked at my feet and you've seen my feet. Lord, I thank you for doing this again in Jesus' name. It's not something the, the gospel is scored, it's not taught. It's better om te leer, wat doen jy? Doe nou iets wat teenstrijdig by al jou van pijn is. Sê Heere, ek sit ek gee nie meer die pijn. Ek gee, ek sit nie ding voor die nie. As jy vanochtend sit en jy sikkel in die area van jou finansies, as jy uitloop, of jy een minste gee, gooi hem in die box op die buitenkant, is my geld net so gebruik vir ons mense kan. I want you to walk out the faith. Why? Because action pleases God. There's always action that pleases God. I want you to walk out the faith and say, Lord, I want to be pleasing and acceptable. As you become like sickle in your evil look, I see for you for your vrouw, put your hand up. Jy meneer, there's the word from God. Put your hand up. Self-condemning. 
Stop. 
Jesus. Would you?